Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our risen and living Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. God's word which we receive this morning is from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, verses 21 to 28. And they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and taught. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Now there was a man in their synagogue with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had convulsed him and cried out with a loud voice, he came out of him. Then they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority he commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And immediately his fame spread throughout all the region around Galilee. So far the word of the Lord. Sanctify us by your truth, O Lord. Your word is truth. Amen. Our theme this last December for our Wednesday Advent services was the star, and we were talking about the different points of the star, which is why I made that star up there on the altar, and I didn't get the angle quite right on top, which actually worked out nice because it makes the bottom look a little more like an angel. I did a little better job on that one in the back, got the angles right, but even the one in the back is a pretty simple woodworking project. And it's pretty easy to tell that the one who made this chair was much more skilled, much more difficult uh, project either, even than that star in the back. This was made by an Indian carpenter, actually. I showed him a picture of a table and chairs I wanted and, uh, for a very low price. He made, made it by hand, four chairs and a, a table for me. We have more examples of very skilled carpentry work uh, all around this church that was made by, by members here. And I remember reading years ago an article about how Japanese carpenters uh, pride themselves in making things without nails or screws. They make intricate, complex joints that, when fitted together, hold uh, their projects together without any need for, for screws or nails. That's a, a whole another level, way beyond uh, that, that simple star back there or up there. That would be kind of astounding to actually see. Uh, in our text, Mark uh, talks about a similar thing. The people are astounded by Jesus' skill and mastery of God's word and the authority with, with, with which he teaches. The teaching and the authority and the preaching that Jesus brings is so far above and beyond anything that they're used to from their rabbis that they just can't even believe uh, his skill. In our, in our sermon text, Mark points specifically to three things that really set Jesus' teaching apart from the rabbis of his day. The first is the, the authority with, with, with which he preaches. The second is the content of his preaching. And the third is not only the authority of his teaching, but also the power with which he teaches. We're only going to be talking about looking at the first one today, the authority. My sermon is already four pages long, so I figured we'll stop there. But we might look at the next two next week. We'll see how that goes. Jesus speaks with authority, and the crowds confirm this. He speaks with authority. They're just astounded at the authority of Jesus' speaking. 
We have to go back for a second and, and consider what they were used to. And the people of Israel at the time of Jesus, they were used to teachers, to rabbis, who proved their thoughts, who proved what they were saying by quoting the rabbis. The more famous, the more ancient the rabbi that they quoted, the better. And so in a sense, the authority of the rabbis was borrowed. It was based on the fame or the authority of the rabbi that they were quoting rather than from their skill in teaching uh, scripture. Jesus, of course, does not do this. Jesus quotes no authority other than scripture. But when he quotes scripture, he shows a mastery, a skill of understanding that is astounding to the people, but at the same time cannot be denied. What he says about Scripture is so obviously the truth that even though it's, it's, it's something different from, what the, from the way they saw it and from the way they talked about it, it's clearly the truth. We see this throughout uh, Jesus' ministry. We go back to when Jesus was a child in the temple and the questions that he's asking the scribes and the, uh, the, the teachers of the law in the temple astound them. Or we think about, well, this last summer we had the text where they ask him about paying taxes to Caesar. And again, the, the simplicity and truth of Jesus' answer cannot be denied. Or you think about when the Sadducees tried to question him about the resurrection. Because the Sadducees didn't believe that there is a resurrection of the dead. They believe, well, once you're dead, you're dead, and that's it. That's the end. And Jesus points the people back to one single verb. Not even one single verb, but one, the tense of the verb as proof of the resurrection. I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Jesus says God is the God of the living, not the dead. So if he says to Moses, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob must still be alive. Perhaps one of the greatest demonstrations of Jesus' mastery of Scripture, however, is when he's confronting Satan in the wilderness. And there Satan tries to use Scripture against Jesus, cast yourself down from the temple, because God's word says he will give his angels charge over you. And most of us, I think, if we were confronted with that, if we didn't have Jesus' example in Scripture and were confronted with that, would probably be saying, like, well, that doesn't sound right, but that is what God's word says. But Jesus, of course, immediately responds, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. He understands and applies scripture with a skill and a mastery, uh, much like the skill of the carpenters that we see around here is so much greater than, than my own. Uh, Jesus is on a whole nother level even beyond that. The rabbis had to establish their authority uh, or they thought they did, by quoting other rabbis. And because of this, the rabbis and the people of Israel became slaves to tradition. What is written before by the teachers, uh, that must be right. That's where our authority comes from. Jesus, however, established his authority by his mastery of Scripture. And this astounds the people. Look at the authority with which he preaches. This actually reminds me of an episode of the Smurfs that I saw when I was a little kid, which like 35 years ago now. I wanted to make sure I was remembering the show correctly, so I tried to find it online, but after watching a couple episodes of the Smurfs, I 
kind of gave up. It's not that entertaining when you're an adult. I remember it being a lot more fun when I was a kid. But anyway, the way I remember it, and again, 35 years ago, the way I remember the episode is that uh, one of the Smurfs goes into the woods and finds a stone, and he chisels something onto this stone and brings it back, and he says, see, it's written in stone. It must be truth. And so whenever he wants the other Smurfs to do something, he just goes and, and finds a stone and chisels it on there. It's written in stone. It must be the truth. And this is the way that the, uh, the Israelites, the rabbis, tended to act. Uh, it's old enough, it must be the truth. And because of it, they became slaves to tradition. They were meticulous in keeping the law, but without any real understanding of the law. Into this context, Jesus now comes with the scriptures, with the authority of the apostle, the great apostle sent by God. And the people are astounded at his teaching. God's word encourages us, demands really of us, that we follow Jesus' example. That we test all things according to God's word so that we don't fall into that same trap of becoming slaves to tradition like the Israelites did. Paul reminds us in 1 Thessalonians 5, test all things, hold fast what is good. So whether you're talking about new things or old things, we should test them against God's word. And Ephesians 5 reminds us, walk as children of light, finding out, learning what is acceptable to the Lord. A slavish devotion simply to tradition often results in fear, and even anger towards anything that is new. On the other hand, a, a complete rejection of anything that is old, just because it's old, results in a vacillating, unstable, and, and directionist life. We're just pushed back and forth by whatever the new fad is among the young people. Paul also talks about that, you may remember in Ephesians 4, 14, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. You sometimes uh, see this attitude among our political leaders, unfortunately, who have no foundation, no truth in their life, and their only goal really is to maintain power, and so they just go along. They're not able to lead because they have no direction themselves, but instead are, are just pushed back and forth, just go along with whatever the, the current whim of the masses is, because all they care about is appeasing the masses. On the other hand, you, you see the other danger among some people too, that fearful rejection of, of anything new. God calls us, Jesus calls us to something better, something greater. Neither to be, to be stuck simply in tradition, nor to be jumping around after everything that is new, but to test all things against the Word of God. That, of course, requires that we know and understand and are deeply rooted in God's Word, like that tree that we hear about in Psalm 1, which grows green even in the winter. Romans 12, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. 
This is part of what the Israelites meant when they were astonished at Jesus' teaching and when they said he teaches as one with authority. Because he understood the scriptures and he, didn't, he was not master over the scriptures. As a man, he was subject to the scriptures, but he had mastery of the scriptures to apply them in every situation, to confront that which was clean and unclean and to teach the word of God. Into this comes, Mark tells us, into this teaching, into this teaching with authority from the scriptures, comes a man with an unclean spirit. Notice that Mark <coughs> says an unclean spirit. He doesn't say an evil spirit or a demon, but an unclean spirit. I'm not suggesting it wasn't a demon. Uh, the gospel, the, the context makes it very clear that this was a demon and that the man was demon-possessed, but the vocabulary here is important. Mark is, is speaking about a context, and he's speaking to the Israelites, who, whose whole lives were governed by the law of clean and unclean. If the, the clean animals they could eat, the unclean animals they, of course, could not eat. We saw a couple of weeks ago about how Mary had to come up to the temple 40 days after giving birth to Jesus and offer the sacrifice because she was considered unclean and now she had to come offer the sacrifice and receive the blessing to be made clean. And our, our Sunday school kids today are going to hear about the ten lepers who, because of their awful disease, were considered unclean and were cast out, removed from the presence of God by their uncleanness. That... The Israelites lived in this world where that which was clean was of God and that which was unclean was separated from God. Just as Jesus teaches us to test all things against the word of God, he comes with the authority of God's word and confronts, and that's what's going on here, confronts that which is unclean by the authority of that word. He casts out from the man the unclean demon, and then by confronting the man himself with that authority of God's word, and by casting out that which is unclean, he makes the man who was unclean clean and acceptable to God once again. The Israelites, of course, are astounded. They call this a new teaching, a new doctrine. They're astounded by this. You mean we don't have to go to the temple? We don't have to offer sacrifice? We don't have to receive the blessing of the priest? This man, simply by the authority of his word, can remove that which is unclean and make an unclean man clean? But no one can deny the authority of Jesus' word because the demon himself must listen to it. And so they're left with no other option than to recognize that yes, by the authority of his word, Jesus has made that which is unclean clean. He has cast out the demon and made the man clean. This authority of Christ is something we certainly want to ponder and think about as we are about to, to come and kneel before him at the Lord's Supper. By his death and resurrection, Jesus has made us who were unclean clean. And through his word, he casts out from among us all unclean things. As we, as we come and kneel before the Lord today, in a few minutes, 
We want to remember that we are coming into the presence of the man who by his authority, by the authority of God's word, has come to cast out that which is unclean. And we want to think about and contemplate that which is unclean among us. Every unclean thought, whether it be contentious or angry or lustful or covetous, Every unclean action that is hurtful or contentious or strife or jealousy. Every dismissive attitude towards God and His Word that thinks, well, I don't need church or I don't need uh, daily devotions or I don't need prayer. Uh, I'm good enough. I already know all that stuff. We are coming into the presence of the man who by his authority casts out that which is unclean. And that's what He's going to do for us in His Holy Supper. He has come to make us clean. And we, we just sang about it. It's such a <clears throat> good hymn. I know it's kind of a new hymn. And we, we maybe aren't very familiar with the melody of that yet. But hopefully we will become more familiar with that melody because uh, that hymn we sang before the sermon today is such a wonderful hymn that points out this very fact that he came to cast out that which is unclean and to make us clean. Jesus does not need the temple or the sacrifices or the blessing of the priest. By his word, by his authority, through his word and through his sacrament, he casts out all unclean things from us. We come into his presence so that we also, like this demon-possessed man, may be made clean. Amen. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.